Fuck off extras. <laughs> I'll put that in the beginning there. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Not Game Podcast. I'm Craig Lager and with us today is Tom Hatfield. Hello. And Philippa Wall. Hello. I'm going to start with a stupid question, which I have decided is, if you can have one land-based vehicle from any game, what would you have? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh... Tell you what it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be any of the things that I made myself in Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts. <laughs> Those things were a disaster. <laughs> oh, yeah, I tried to make so many cars in uh, in... Uh, Gary's mod, they would not pass an MOT. Well, the, the problem there is that they expect you to understand basic physics. <laughs> and I did basic physics at school, and it really still didn't equip me for navigating terrain in a car. So. I would quite like just to have a tank. Get me just a tank. There are, there are many good tanks around. Uh, I think the best tank is in Saints Row 3. Because oh, you get the big neon... Oh, no, the big pixely tank thing. That's pretty cool. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Uh, there are some really insane experimental tanks that never existed in World of Tanks, including ones that go, like, 70 miles an hour. Okay. <laughs> so maybe one of those. <laughs> Just bombing down the hill that's <laughs> from my house at 70 miles an hour, running over cars. Still, however, pretty boring, Tom. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I kept trying to think of a better one, but no. I don't really... I could have said the Mako, but I don't really like the Mako. I'm going to hit you with one in a minute. You can be like, oh my god, why didn't I think of that? Go on, Pip, what's yours? It was the one in um, uh, Goldeneye, I think, you know, when you just get in the tank and you can run over virtually everything, just sort of <laughs> splatting anyone who even waves a gun in your general direction. You know, when you're going down the airstrip. Is it called so, airstrip or something? Of all of the vehicles ever, you're going for an 80s tank from Goldeneye. Right, it's more about it's the, the fact that you can squish people. If but that's any to... tank. That's well, what tanks do. But that was the most satisfying implementation of it, you know? Okay. But I suppose if I have to be... Uh, what are the criteria here, Look, Ben? Am I Land based. Something that could get me from A to B, you know? like In that case, I'll just pick any car from any game that doesn't handle, like, a shopping trolley. Oh, no! The um, prototype Subaru Impreza from um, Grand Turismo 3. <laughs> I spent so much time trying to get that car. You have no idea. I I got accidentally really good at rally racing just getting that car. And then my ex-boyfriend sold it so that he could soup up his Formula One um, Formula One car. And I was just devastated because I'm a grown-up. <laughs> so right, there. Listen, <clears throat> those answers are really boring. I'm going to have the Monkey Lord from Supreme Commander. Oh, that's that's good. That's, that is a good one. I hadn't considered all the things from Supreme Commander. Yeah. So that's why you've gone wrong. I quite like the giant robot from the guys in Forged Alliance with the so, huge eye beams. Yes, that's awesome too. So you could have had that, uh-huh. but instead, Pip, you've had the tank from Goldeneye. <laughs> Maybe I could have Link because he'll just carry me around. Ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> princess from the um, from Jabu Jabu's belly. Be, the thing is, though, if you have Link, then you get Navi as well. Ooh. I don't really want that. No. Okay, sorry. <laughs> well, I could wear my headphones. Mm. Yeah. Can I have Shadowmere? I quite like an invincible horse that is possibly from Beyond the Grave. 
Oh, the, the one from is that the one from Oblivion? Uh, oh, yeah. no, and Skyrim, possibly Skyrim as well. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, mm. that's pretty good. Mm. Actually, yeah, that's a really good shout because he gets like glowing red eyes and stuff and comes out of a lake. Yeah, and if he dies, he just respawns back where you got him from. Mm. Yeah. I can actually ride a horse as yeah. well. You Maybe can. Yeah, I learned when I was a kid for some reason. My sister just was really into horses and I ended up tagging along. Okay. What's um, the fastest you've gone on a horse? Um, I can't remember if I ever got up to a gallop. I think I did, or a canter at least. Um, I did a few jumps as well when I was about before I stopped. Maybe in the in the vein of horses, I'm actually scared of horses in real life. This might not work, but maybe a pona or something. Going back to Zelda, because then I could just be like standing in the middle of, I don't know, Starbucks making a scene, and then if I need a quick getaway, all I need to do is like hum a little bit, and then suddenly a horse appears, and then we just wander off into the distance. To be honest, yeah, I was being swayed by the invincibility, but the best horse is probably aggro from uh, Shadow of the Colossus. What's, yeah, that, what's good about that horse? It's just really well animated. And <laughs> this isn't about animation, it's about like the ability... It would be weird if you had a badly animated horse in real life. Yeah, but freak you the fuck out. <laughs> if you had like an oblivion horse. Lasers or that would be really great. I know, it's just, I know, it's just really characterful. Um... And always appears as if from nowhere whenever you like whistle, um, and mm-hmm. somehow survives the battle with several colossi, which is invaluable in my everyday life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Also, I like the way that um, the main character goes aggro, aggro. <laughs> I might say that. You'll have to do that every time you want to ride it. Yeah, it's fine. I love it. I'm just going to say that repeatedly throughout the rest of the podcast now. Okay. I don't know if it's going to you be something. You don't have to. Horse, but... You could just like cut and paste this bit of it just at various intervals. Save yourself that some would effort. Be very lazy. It's probably <laughs> too longer than saying it. To be honest, speaking is quite easy. <laughs> Let's talk about what we've been playing this week. Um, Tom, what have you been playing this week? Uh, I escaped a lot room this week. Um, similar to the one that Pip talked about in a previous podcast, so I won't spend too long on it. I do think I didn't end up enjoying mine a bit more. I think because mm. it was more. It felt maybe like... you're just a better person than me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't day. enjoy it because <laughs> no one died. <laughs> if you will remember. Um. Yeah, I think it was just more aimed towards being a fun puzzle and less towards being a team building exercise. Um. Oh. Uh, there were some there were some cl- uh, clever things going on there, like uh, in in. in well, I I won't actually talk about it in the way things were hidden, but well, I'll, I'll, I'll explain the, like the very first one we got because everyone else will get that within five, a few minutes. Because we uh, basically opened a lockbox by finding a code somewhere, and there was a little magnet inside. And then if you look at the walls, there were these little electrical, you know, those little sort of ele- plastic encasings for electrical wires. Mm. One of them had a little magnet on it, and then you put the magnet up on there, and you could pick up a key and slide it towards the edge, and get it out, and then unlock another box. Hmm. And it was full of really nice, smart little puzzles like that. It was called um, Puzzle Air, and it's just opening up in Bristol. So if you live nearby, it's yeah, it's probably worth going. Um, we've got they've got two puzzles there. I'm probably going to go back and do the other one. Is the other one harder? Because that's what the um, the one in London was like. You would have one room that was for moderate challenge, and then another one that was just for 
right, fine, you think you can take us kind of thing. <laughs> Not sure. Um, I know they're both done differently. I think they said that they do can monkey around a bit with the difficulty. Um, mm-hmm. one, of the, one of the things is, like your one, they did have a hint screen, but I thought it was quite well used in that you give us a prod quite even quite early on if we... Uh, if we didn't, if we felt like we were like stumped for a while, and it just managed to pace the whole thing until we basically escaped with basically one minute left, um, which is you know that's what that's that's what you want basically. You want to be on w- within a minute of success, success or failure, ideally. Mm. Mm. Do you think yeah. you would have ever solved it without the clues? Um, um, no, I don't think so. I think um, there was one that we were just stuck on. That he did pretty much have to hand to us, and we would have, you know, we would and without it, we would have just, um, uh, we, yeah, we would have just perished. Um, have you been playing anything else this week? Oh yeah, I also played something that's far more interesting. Actually, I played Ingress recently, uh, which is Google, yeah, it's Google's augmented reality ARG slash mobile game slash probably some other things. It's um really odd. You get um you get an app on your phone that only works on Android phones. It's basically there to promote them, I think. Um and it basically ties together all the googly things into a game because mm-hmm. it uses Google Maps and GPS and you wander around and you wander around like a your town and you um you collect there's these portals that are spewing out something called exotic matter and you have to fight over control of the portals by um taking resources from them and then like fencing them off with these items or destroying someone else's portal resonators and taking it over for yourself um, and building networks of it for the two one of the two different factions uh, so and all these portals are like landmarks mm-hmm. so is um, it like a fun version of Foursquare <laughs> I don't really I've never used Foursquare you don't like I don't think you broadcast where you are you just tag things it's like a fun version of geocaching yeah, kind of, because um, you can sub- The nice thing is that they the player you can submit portals, which is the sort of Foursquare like bit. Is that you you take pictures of a landmark and submit them to Google, and they might put a portal there. Um, but in uh, for most of the time, you're going to be walking around looking at ones that are already there, and then like. But it's weird the way it ties together all the Google stuff. Like I was at one point, I'd be hacking this portal, and I find a bunch of like in-game items and also a YouTube series clip. Hmm. For uh, part of the ongoing narrative of the whole thing, and then later on, I uh, and later on while I was at work, I got an email, a Gmail message saying that someone to just someone had taken over one of my portals back in Bath. Mm. <laughs> Whilst I was there, there, I was like, "Oh, you fucker! <laughs> <laughs> Can I get off early?" Uh, <laughs> um, so all that's really interesting, but the desire, the the way in which you interact with these things, it does feel a little, little padded in mm. that. You'll find like loads of resonators, and in order to take down anything decent, you'll probably have to you'll have to keep firing like twenty of them. And I don't think Google are interested in it being a long term thing. What it seems to be is it's giving them a lot of map data very very quickly. Yeah. Mm. Um, because it's basically letting them know like what places are busy and what and giving them a load of free location data on. Um, like landmarks and stuff for people to search for like it's a fucking genius way for them to pad out google maps yeah, yeah. and it also um yeah it also uh, does interesting social things like um the way people play together you can send invites to other agents and stuff like that uh 
and there are there are definitely people who are very into it who do things like um, try and like there was this thing I saw um, the other day where um, a bunch of players for because there's two different factions depending on whether you think the crazy exotic matter stuff coming through the portals is going to change us all and change us all into transhuman dem- demigods or enslave the human race. Mm. Um, the enlightened, the transhuman ones, uh, believed uh, like um, they took over a big chunk of Germany and drew like a uh, drew like a huge shape, essentially a huge triangle on Germany, their huh. color. Um, and then some people in Canada for the other faction responded, <laughs> and all that's yeah. really cool. And um, trying to read up on it and understand it more is pretty much the only time I've ever used Google Plus. So I think that's maybe that might be part of it. It's trying to get a bunch of people together and talking about it. Could but well be. It is. I haven't played a lot of like mobile or social games. And it does feel there's there's so much repetition in it in terms of like it, it's supposed to become part of your daily routine. Like you always walk past and you get the resources from your portals that you walk past on your way to work. And then it's uh, one thing that is cool is that Bath is like a resistance town and Bristol is like a. Um, an enlightenment town, I think, and that basically Temple Meads and Bath Spa rail stations become these incredible, become these massive fighting grounds as people move between the two. <laughs> it's um, it's funny that you say fighting grounds because I originally heard of fights breaking out over Ingress. Yeah, no, I, I saw that as well. Which is terrible. What is wrong with people? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, you can like defend your portals in ground, but in in. Uh, if they're uh, like high enough level, I tend to attack people who try and go near enemy people who go near them. You can install stuff in them to defend them. When you but, say attack, like they, um, I don't know exactly what it does. I get I've got zapped a few times, but it doesn't seem to have done much. I think it drains your resources. Mm. Um, and but uh, yeah, some people apparently you've gone to the lengths of like physically trying to shoo people away. Oh, look, there's been fights. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, Mike Jennings was writing an article about it and did a lot of research. And yeah, I think it was in Scotland, a couple of like big fights broke out because like I think one group was following around a couple of people. like, And basically, whatever they tagged, they just tagged back to their thing. And then they just had this fucking brawl in the streets. Does it have any longevity, do you think? Like, will you just get bored of I don't know. back and forth? If you're not doing anything more more creative, I guess if it's just a kind of territory battle with other little bits and pieces thrown in, like is it just going to be repetitive and just sort of, oh, I've walked past this thing every day, I'll have to do this, you know, every day. <laughs> That's the thing I'm worried about. Basically, is um, though there is like a, a leveling system, and clearly when you get to the higher levels, you can do some, uh, you can, you know, get more from your portals and things like that. Um, it does feel like it might be vulnerable to like planet side syndrome. You know, the more planet side one than planet side two, those moments where it's just like, wow, this this war never ends, and every time I take something, I'll just lose it in a week, and what's the point? It was the only planet side was the only game I ever know of where the cons and reviews were the existential uh, the existential crisis <laughs> of the nature of war. <laughs> maybe like if they tied it to some real world rewards or something yeah maybe it does seem like they're trying to organize events around it and getting people together to do things mm. um and that might be its longevity more of as a community thing and they've got this uh they're trying to drip feed some kind of like little arg narrative out but mm. that hasn't really interested me so far mm. but it is right. interesting uh, Pep, what have you been losing at this week? Oh, 
<laughs> well, that's a loaded question, isn't it? Uh, I have been winning about, uh, I'd say, just over 50% of uh, zone games against you, actually. I don't think that's true. I think... I think you'll we, find, Pip... exactly even? Uh, well, no. From... Have you been keeping a tally? Because I honestly, <laughs> you actually been writing this down. I didn't write them down, but we drew one, and then you won seven to three, and then I won seven to nothing. Uh, you guys should add me. I haven't actually played it for like a week or two. I should. I don't get think back in. this is the thing. As a result of um, what was it like a two hours or something playing three <laughs> matches, uh, we have both fallen resolutely out of love with that game. <laughs> We are talking about Frozen End Zone. Let's yeah. be clear. Um, yeah. So yeah, like because well, the first victory went to me because I realised that you need to create a little bit of space for your dudes to run into, <laughs> and you suddenly went, oh. And the, <laughs> <laughs> so that was quite gratifying. Um, but also, but the the thing that I found with the game was that so it's turn based, and um, on each you uh, as far as we've played you have like two goes one when you're the um attacker trying to get the ball into the touchdown zone or one of these other zones slightly further up the map um or you're the defender trying to stop that from happening and then you switch over at half time or whatever and try and do the same again um but uh with that sort of um asymmetric gameplay it feels really it feels really clunky because you're sort of um i think the difference is just too big and the way that the pacing works is just not designed well i'm not really phrasing i'm not really explaining myself well essentially what it is is it feels like a game that should last maybe three minutes each session you know like Mm. each um section of, of it surprises you with how short it is well no this is the thing it feels like it should last that long and then it takes about five hours i'm exaggerating but like because i was just sat there i'd finish my turn in i don't know two minutes or something and craig would be like having a look through all of the possibilities <laughs> and like trying to like play out every single thing that i could do and then you know i'd sort of have to sit there and wait and there was absolutely no way of like shortening that or like yeah, slight the... more equal footing sort of strategizing wise and also it just it completely disrupted the flow of the game because i it... did warn you that 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 would happen but the thing is they should i i feel like they should have a way of knowing or a way of dealing with it because it's just no fun if one person is finishing a lot before the other person but also yeah. the fact that the victory doesn't feel worth the time that you then can spend on it yeah so i think that they should put an upper cap on the time that you can spend on it so that you never feel shortchanged with the amount of time it takes i think that's true could blood bowl puts a three minute cap on each turn and um that improves it a lot i think because when you're waiting you know that at most you're going to be waiting three minutes Mm. and then Mm -hmm. when it's your turn it's actually quite frantic like because there's a lot to do in three minutes. It's yeah, it's, it's they've got that strange system whereby it's you can do the turns asymmetrically, so it's like, um, so it it, it that's really flexible and like you it means you can 
like you can do so you can do your turn at 10 a.m in the morning and i can do mine at like six o'clock in the evening and it works and we can end up playing a game over the course of two games just in a little snippets mm-hmm. uh but uh also then that feels a little bit weird if you do if you are both there and you are trying to play normally or yeah. or and often because there's very little communication even though there is a chat client in there it's just sort of weirdness of well i'll fire off my turn I'll wait here for a couple of minutes. Okay, I guess they're not responding anytime soon. Back to the menu screen. Yeah. And also, I'm very bad at running multiple games because I keep forgetting which colour I am. <laughs> you yeah. laugh, but that will happen to you if you play multiple games at once long enough. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to be <laughs> because I, don't, I just don't really... I didn't enjoy it as a game, I don't think. like, if, like Aside from everything else, I found it quite... Like, the mechanics that are there don't quite work properly. Like it seems to be that you can just park a defender somewhere, and they can just lock off a whole thing, and there's nothing that you can do about it. Um, yeah. Or like, um, so there was that bit, wasn't there, when um, I had passed the ball to someone, and uh, it had fallen ever so slightly short, so the person that I'd passed it to was picking it up, mm-hmm. and so um, what I wanted to do was get him to throw it to somebody else but it wouldn't because he wasn't quite holding it yet and so it was you know there were little things like that and then it was just like okay so you've got to run with the ball and I was like but then I'll lose so it was you know it was just a case of but doesn't it turn, knowing that doesn't you've it stop from, when he picks it up though? it should stop when he picks up the ball yeah but that's the thing it had stopped with him picking it up off the floor oh, right. so it um. wouldn't let you throw it because he hadn't quite finished the picking it up animation <laughs> when it stopped and it was just like so it's registered that I've got the ball, but it hasn't, you know, like the, I don't know, maybe the position that the body is in means that you can't throw it. And so now I've got to run, but I can't run back up the field. So I'm having to run forwards, but I can't run forwards because one of Craig's defenders is in the way. And the way that the defenders are, like if they're within your sort of barging radius, all that happens is you repeatedly bang into them again and again and again and again. Like there's, you can get stuck in loops of banging into them. Yeah. And that's just no fun because they can just stand there and you're just repeatedly like... Yeah, like just a, a stood still robot is uh, an indestructible wall. There's nothing you can do, and which doesn't make sense. Like I think it would make a big difference if you could just throw a couple of people at him and move him or anything. Yeah, like if if you if when you threw one person into them, they sort of got locked, and the second one could sneak past. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, but right now they just block everything that's coming at them, and with the nature of the maps that it's generating, where they are quite there'll probably be like four paths that you can get through. Mm. You just stick mm. somebody on those paths and that's it. Mm-hmm. And so it sort of forces you to maybe try and aim at one of the things that's like halfway up the field. But in that case, like, so if you were the person that went first and you managed to get a touchdown and you've got seven points and then the next, you know, like the, the second half of that contest, the other person just puts all of their defenders in the way of the touchline. You're like, well my only option at this point physically is to aim for one of the three-point bits and what's the point of playing the game? You can also yeah. stack up some extra points by running over the blue lights, but yeah, it is quite hard to score enough without if they just well, pull everyone back like that. you can only move towards the touchline with the ball. Mm. You can't have it moving back up the field in you any way. You can run backwards, can't so, you? I don't think not? so. No, it's, it says you cannot run beyond the line. 
like oh, that's right. what I that's what I fell victim to when because I hadn't realized that it had put an extra move point that I couldn't quite see because I was standing almost on top of it and so I had to get rid of that without and it was just a case of it saying repeatedly you can't move back up the field and I'm just sat there going but I'm not yeah. and it was because I couldn't quite see the point that it thought it was then moving to yeah the, the arbitrary rules are a bit strange although I can see how they engineered that very fast game Mm. Um, but then like, like there's a pacing a... confusion there because like it wants to be fast and progressive and you're only moving one way but then like it's designed to play it over like a day or something with like with email turns and stuff like that it doesn't uh, they don't mesh together for me no it's kind of like i i would like it to be one of those games that you dip into while you're playing you know while you're waiting to play something else but the way that it's set up it can't be that and it's just that the two things are, are coming into conflict and I was sort of interested because I was thinking well maybe if they had both sides playing offense and defense at the same time because at least then you're sort of both trying to think how do I get this thing up that side without leaving myself too open on this I think that's a more interesting way of yeah. considering the there space is... because as well it means that you can't just stand there defending because you have to try and get the ball back up to your end you know it, it would open the space out a bit better as well as there well. is another game mode called handball which is uh, a more traditional back and forth as in once you've tackled someone you get the ball and then you have to score mm. and the mm. first one to score wins I think um mm. I've only played a little of that because uh, at least when I started playing, that was a bit buggy. I think they've updated it since then. Mm. Okay. Well, the thing is as well, even aside from everything else, the theme and the rule set is quite boring. Mm. Um, like, I don't particularly like the style of it. It's very generic um, and a bit dull and like nothing really clicks to be very interesting. I feel like it could stand to be a lot sillier, you know, in mm. terms of like the animations and stuff or like taunting people, you know, like yeah. in sports, you can see people doing that on the pitch and it kind of gives them a personality that you can sort of warm to as an observer. Yeah, uh, it's a bit strange, so, like the, yeah. the like the when they, do, they do their touchdown dances and it feels really weird mm. coming from these silent robots. I did pitch to um, Paul from Mode Seven Games that he should make the uh, uh, that he should make the single player mode just an '80s sports movie, but with robots, <laughs> just Mighty Ducks basically, but with robots. Yes. Well, that's oh. the other thing. Like the drama cam was uh, really oh, annoying you, Craig. Yeah, fucking like, yeah, You can't see anything. <laughs> Well, it sort of but, insists on showing you this cinematic thing of the game. Uh, you know, like maybe if at the end it wanted to show you that and just you know like you could watch it if you wanted to and sort of watch it as a match as a sort of you know an outside observer or like share it with a friend or something then that could be interesting but just doing it in little turn snippets is it just felt really disruptive and the thing is like the the technology and the, the stuff that it's doing you can kind of see ways that it could be enjoyable and then to sit there and play it and not enjoy it is kind of frustrating it's um, yeah, it's, it, it is strange how hard it is to just replay the whole game in a, in cinematic view, considering mm. it's there. Mm. So, it's frustrates me. Well, so I'll start again. It frustrates me a lot as well because I really want to like it, 
um, because I like Frozen Synapse a hell of a lot. I think it's a fantastic game, probably one of the best indie games. Um, and the Mode 7 guys are really, really nice. But I think the like there's definitely a fan base of Frozen Endzone, but for me it's definitely missed what made Frozen Synapse good. Um, of course, you know, I, I don't know. It's hard. To, I'm not entirely sure who they're aiming for as well. Um, I know they want it to be kid friendly, uh, as opposed mm. to Frozen Synapse, which really isn't. I mean, it is interesting that I probably liked it the most of anyone I know, and I'm also the most who's in, the one who's most into regular sports. Mm. The thing is, I was kind of. I think that's why I won. That why the first match that was won was a match that I won. And that's not like to just Craig much as I love doing that. That's actually because like I was looking at the space of play and thinking, mm. actually, I need to have some openness. I need to be able to manipulate the things in this way. And that probably just comes from, you know, casually watching football for the last, I don't know, however many years. And so I think there's a sort of there is a sports like consideration of the field. Mm. But at mm. the same time, the field isn't necessarily, you know, it doesn't necessarily lead to anything beyond just if your opponent has no understanding of that, you can maybe but, sneak in a win. This is what I find so confusing, though, because after you said that that's what you were doing, I mm. got into Blood Bowl mode and yeah. then I caged my guy with the ball, mm. which I think is valid. But then even you can't do anything with that because even no, you, you can't move, you can't it. push people out of the way or do anything right. Like it's, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Is like the um, defensive, the offensive side is actually not offensive. All you're doing is running with the ball. You can't barge anyone. You can't. Yeah. No. One of the first things I tried to do as well was like do the American football thing of having one guy run ahead as a blocker. It doesn't yes. work very well. No. no. I mean, all that I could do in terms of using that tactic is have somebody sort of parked next to a defender so that it was absorbing the the bumping you know and so that hopefully someone else would absorb the bump run past and, and not get chased or you know what do you play left bump absorber <laughs> <laughs> so yeah uh what we should take from this though is everybody should buy frozen synapse because that's, that's a really good game also well, this is um, the thing. I, I would like it to do different things, and I'd like them to sort of tweak it and actually make it into a thing that either feels really frantic or feels really considered. I think it can't occupy that middle ground. Mm-hmm. That or I'm playing it completely wrong. So could get be, in uh, touch. Let me know. I've. That's reminded, by the way. If, if you guys, sorry, sorry, sorry. Have any of you guys ever played, ever read the Breaking Madam column? I've seen... Is that the thing with the GIFs? Yeah, it has very good GIFs. Yeah, I've seen some of the GIFs. <laughs> uh, that's an excellent intersection of like American football and games. Cause it's, mm. it's actually on a sport, on like a, an NFL website that runs it. It's not a game site. Um, and it's just one guy putting increasingly insane combinations of like edited stats and things into Madden. Like, asking questions. The first, one, the first ever one he did was... Um, the starred Clarence Beef Tank. Beef Tank is an old athletic. Uh who um, I, can't, so I can't remember which team it was, but they just had a terrible quarterback problem. So he gave them a five foot tall, four hundred pound quarterback with like maximum <laughs> speed, maximum trucking, and no ability to pass the ball. 
and, and the little guy's just incredible, just runs up the field, just decking people on the way. And he, it's called Breaking Man because I think because um, he rapidly figured out that he'd by making such a such a small such a small player so heavy and so fast. Like the engine couldn't understand it, and occasionally he would just his legs would just skid out from underneath him because he couldn't run properly. <laughs> and then yeah, he just followed that up with loads of other incredibly hilarious things. Like there's one where he gives a guy an absurd amount of kicking and bases it in his game entirely around punting the ball, or one where he comprises a team entirely of people called Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Does it have commentators that keep shouting the name? Um, I don't know. Actually, I, don't, I usually just watch the gifts instead of the uh, <laughs> instead of the videos, but possibly. Fair enough. Johnson to Johnson to Johnson. Yeah, but uh, rebreaking Bad, it's uh, really funny. It's we will link it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. You have shown it me before. It was good. Um, I've been playing Daisy, the standalone. Mm-hmm. I've started playing that. Actually, oh, before we Daisy, just as quick thing, I've been playing Cook Served Delicious as well. Wherein mm. I own a restaurant that I uh, create things for my customers just using the power of pressing buttons. So tell us more. This sounds amazing. <laughs> well, it's uh, well, it's very much more in the vein of like you know those addictive casual games that you get on your phone or whatever. Um, so I am trying not to develop any kind of addiction to it because. I, I know what happens with that. I've seen pocket frogs. I've I've pocket frogged. Um, but yeah, so I, I was playing that for part of this afternoon and, and suddenly realised it was podcast time. Uh, <laughs> we had to drag you away from bit. making cheeseburgers. So, but yeah, and people get really cross if you get the salad order wrong. But some of it is really frustrating because, um, like, so you'll have uh, different foods and you, you have a finite amount of active menu choices. So at the start, you'll have four spaces that you can fill with different things and so I picked some quite straightforward ones and then some quite difficult ones um but what happens is uh have to press to fulfill the order tend to correspond to the names of the ingredients you need but not all of them are the same across all things so for example you'll make pretzels and if somebody wants butter and salt then you'll press um b for butter and s for salt but if you uh, are making someone a jacket potato b stands for bacon and y stands for butter (laughs) and so you sort of have to get in this really weird mindset of having your fingers remember not only which buttons you need for uh, just basic ingredients but also how they change related to the things and also there's a certain amount of um arrow key pressing so you have to set traps for the rats which is like you press um right arrow i think and then down arrow to set the trap and then you put c to put some cheese in and then you press s so you can sanitize your hands and go back to work and things like that and and so some of it doesn't seem to chain up in a helpful way and not necessarily just in terms of arbitrarily increasing the difficulty but it just feels like there must be a better way to do this and like it lets you customize your key bindings but I haven't played around with that because I'm like actually I I think it'll probably just be easier rather than trying to logic my way out of this I think I should probably just try and 
uh, get to grips with the ridiculousness of, of this game. I I don't know how close it is to running an actual restaurant. I mean, oh, pretty close. You know, I, I used to work at Pizza Hut. It feels quite similar. <laughs> so, but yeah, some of the foods I've never heard of. But anyway, yeah. So that's been that's been quite joyous. Um, but in You've a made it sound yeah. terrible. <laughs> Have I? Oh no! I think it's because I just like pressing buttons and getting combos. I am the person that Candy Crush was made for, you know. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's um there's a really interesting article on Gama Sutra by the uh, developer of Eats uh, of Eats Serve Delicious Cook Serve Delicious Cook Serve Delicious, my friend. Um, which uh which uh, talks about um selling it through various platforms and mm. how just how absurd Steam sales are. <laughs> in terms of revenue generated or absurd in terms of oh, just in terms of yeah like how much how how much his income just jumped in like eight hours of being on the steam store front of steam did hmm. you read that jason mora uh post the other day about like why he was pricing the castle doctrine the way he is mm. Because he was saying um, that he'd sort of been hooked in by Steam sales and how they boosted his earnings for ages and then had suddenly decided that it was, not suddenly decided, but he was looking through the stats and stuff and decided that it was undermining the sort of the value of the game, but also the relationship that it has with um, with fans because the hardcore fans are the ones that are going to pick up your game full price when it releases. And then they're going to be the ones that, look stupid for doing so when you then drop the price of the game like you know a few weeks later when there happens to be a steam sale so he's kind of going to go in the other direction and is adopting a sort of an increasing price model an increasing price model yeah like minecraft well he was right inspired by minecraft and obviously minecraft has the sort of the take-up factor and it it, you know it it can do that and sort of increases its price in line with I guess the the demands on the company to some degree but um, the thing that he's doing is just that he made it 50% of the cost for during the alpha and then during launch week it's going to be 25% off and then from that point on it's going to be just full price and I think he's going to ignore steam sales and things but then I don't know after that whether it will increase because obviously it's it is um a massively multiplayer kind of thing so i guess if the server cost increases he would be able to you know just put up an update saying oh we're going to make it more expensive in a week and then you know here's your last chance to get it at X. but also he's going to need a lot of people playing and that can often persuade people to drop the prices like um i mean uh dan marshall when he made gun monkeys at um repeatedly like drop the price and gave away free copies to try and make sure there were people online playing at all times yeah Mm. well that's the thing like i guess it just depends how many people are going to be playing it because this business model only works when you've got a really successful game otherwise you'll have a spectacularly unpopulated (laughs) game that people aren't willing to to fork out to buy so i don't know whether the business model will hold up it's more that it's it's interesting because um, Good Old Games as well, they they were saying something uh, recently in an interview I did with them about um, the fact that people have all these like Steam backlogs and they don't like devaluing games because it just means that you develop a culture of people holding off on buying because they go, oh, well, it's 
I don't know, 20 quid now. If I wait three weeks, then it will be 70% off somewhere. So it just means that you save off sales and those people might forget to come back or, you know, it's all that kind of thing. But um, I wonder if that's one of those things that everyone assumes what happens, but might not as much as they think it is. Because, I mean, that's, that's a lot of basic sales things are in there. It's the idea that you get, uh, that, you know, you want, people to ideally you want people to pay as much money for your product as possible so you put it out there you get the money from those who are prepared to play the mo- pay the most and then you but you also don't want to lose the ones who will pay less so video games we do this with time in like supermarkets they do it with their this is why like those uh the supermarkets cheap stuff is packaged really unappealingly because mm-hmm. if you can afford to buy the next one up they want you to buy the next one up but if you can't the, 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 the that one's there but they just made it look unappealing to anyone else well, yeah, I think his well, his point was mostly about the relationship that you have with your consumers and the fact that I think he's very much focusing on his fans or, you know, the people who are really excited about his game, not feeling shortchanged if they're the ones that pay, you know, the full amount and then everybody else in the universe pays, you know, a third of that. So it's I think it's to do with balancing... I'm sure we'll get some people on the internet and agreeing with him enthusiastically. I'm not sure whether it'll actually be good for his business in the long run. I I think 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 the backwards pricing... But I I just think that, like, it's not as simple as... But it's not as simple as as that. I don't think it's uncommon. Like, Armour did it. Mm. um, Assetto Corsa did it. And I think it's the better games. I, I agree with Project like, Zomboid did it too. Yeah, I, I agree with like making uh, alpha builds or something cheaper rather than like the reverse, which Planetary Annihilation did. Yeah. Um, or Prison Architect. Um, no, I definitely think that's because you are playing for something less at that point. You are, you're not. Well, you're helping them as well. I mean, yeah. like full disclosure, I have um, the Castle Doctrine free of charge because I signed up for the testing phase. Mm. But yeah, um, no, I agree with that bit. But what I mean is his idea of like not being in sales. Well, that's really easy mm. to do when you're Jason Roar. It's not when you're cook, when you're yeah. cook, served delicious guy who mm. most people didn't hear about his game until it went on the front page of Steam during the sale. But that's the thing. Yeah, I'm not uh, like his post bears reading just so that you know what you're agreeing and disagreeing with. Yeah, um, it's on the Castle Doctrine blog. Um, and yeah, so if we maybe link to that in the show notes, but also to the interview with the guy who did Cook Served Delicious, because the thing is, Cook Served Delicious, I'm actually genuinely enjoying, and it tickles that kind of obsessive uh, repetition of, of actions thing that I have in my brain that means that I loved stuff like Bejeweled or stuff like, you know, it, it it's that kind of sensation that I get from playing it. Um, so I'm really glad that I picked it up, and I definitely picked it up in a sale. Um but yeah, it's that whole side of things, the sort of how are you valuing your games, how is the economy working, is actually very interesting to me. Yeah, I'm just, yeah it's, it's interesting to see somebody doing that, and it will also be interesting to see if it works. So what have you been playing, Craig? I've been playing Daisy, <gasps> um, the standalone. It's really good, just like the mod was. Um, I recently it, realised that although the game is called Daisy, they call they refer to zombies as Zeds. Uh huh. Pick a side, Dean Hall. Pick a side. 
What do you mean? Z or Z? You can't have both. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Um, I really like DayZ, the game. Um, no. 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 Days? Days, Days of our lives. Days. <laughs> um, I like Jay-Z, the game. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> So in like Jay Z the game, they've yeah. they've stripped a lot back from the mod, which is weird. Did you play but, the mod then? Did yeah, play... I played the mod a lot. Okay. Because it's exactly my sort of thing. Mm. Um, That's true. And they've taken a lot out, but at the same time, like there's a lot less weapons now than what there was in the mod, mm. um, which is a crowbar. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's weird because there's like there's a lot less guns, but then they've added like they've overhauled the actual island a lot and added like there's extra forests and extra quarries and all the homes you can get into now. And they've like added a... though, it's unexpectedly beautiful. Is it? Oh god, yeah. It's mm. well, it's partly because they've radically overhauled the UI. Because um, I mean, Armour could always do pretty good vistas, but most of the time you couldn't see it behind. Mm. The um, UI stuff, whereas the Daisy is hoodless now, isn't it? Basically. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's it's still very much armor. You can feel that it's still like a quite clunky engine underneath for like moving around and interacting with things and stuff. But it's a lot better than what Armor so Two was. It's a good was. job we don't have to do that much in video games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. <laughs> but like, I mean, the rest of it is so good that you can forgive that. Um, even when you're just sort of wandering around for 10 hours, it's fine. Well, when I was wandering around, I was surprised by the fact that, like, the jumping felt... It didn't feel unrealistic. Um, that's I think that's kind of the point. It, it's just that I couldn't jump as ridiculously high as most video games will let you. It was a kind of... No, no, this is a reasonable... Button. Well, there's, like, a, sort of a vaulting thing. Like, you yeah. can kind of, like, vault the thing, and, and it doesn't let you go very high. And there's also like the fact that the the amount of terrain you cross, and you know, like at at a pace, a certain pace, doesn't feel like much. But thinking about it, you think, oh, actually, that's probably quite realistic. You know, I'm yeah. walking and or I'm running, and I don't actually go that fast because I'm not an Olympic athlete. So yeah, but I I was kind of surprised by how much those touches stood out to me, and maybe it's because I didn't because I didn't play the mod, and maybe it's because I've sort of been only playing it for a few hours but it 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 charmed me and i wasn't expecting that at all it is a really charming game like because most of the my experience with daisy is just walking through a forest um and like and it's just a big road trip with a big like exclamation mark at the end of now you're going to go and raid this town or you're going to raid this base or something Mm. and those bits are very very scary and i think it's because in making you walk through a big forest to get there with the constant threat that you could just be shot um when you get there it's likely that you're going to be shot and then you lose everything so all of that walking was for nothing and that makes yeah. it very, very scary. It sort of encourages you to value the things that you've created or the things that you've done or gathered. Yeah, exactly. Like the, all of my kit on me is it's precious now because oh. getting all that back is going to be a nightmare. How long have you had the 
character that you've currently got? Like, how long has that person survived? Probably ten hours. Okay. So it's substantial. Um, And, yeah, I'm really protective of him now. Which is a weird uh, switch flipped when I got an assault rifle with him. Because up until that point, you can die and it doesn't really matter. And there's Mm -hmm. probably not a lot you can do about it either. But the moment that you get a proper gun, you can both prevent being killed and also if you are killed it's going to be difficult to get that gun again Mm. so you turn into a dick and (laughs) you just have to kill everybody just in case well this is the thing i think i'm actively going to try and keep that sense of feeling charmed as much as possible like Mm. that's why i've sort of i'm playing with my friend matt because i think that there'll be a certain amount of being on the same page with stuff like that but yeah. also, like, um, I I don't want to turn into a jerk. And coming <laughs> from me, that's weird. Usually I'm the sort of psychopath that we... But I think... Absolutely, you turn into a complete jerk and start taking trophies <laughs> from the dead. But at this point... See, this I'm is a bit designed like... for you. That's exactly <laughs> what you're going to do, Pip. This game is going to get you and you're going to be a fucking monster. I'll tell you what, shall we chart how long it takes for this? <laughs> happen and then we'll just like we'll take it from there like time to psycho Uh (laughs) because what you're you're gonna get an assault rifle and then you're gonna find somebody and they are not gonna have an assault rifle and then what are you gonna do because they've probably got some food that you want so i don't this is the thing although actually uh or you're gonna be like sick and they might have antibiotics and if you die of sickness you're dead Hmm. I think it feels like it would. I will probably behave more like a person than a psych than a psycho video game than a Craig person. <laughs> um, just simply because of the time investment and the fact that I sort of have fallen in love with the environment as well. Like I kind of don't want to taint the world by being a dick. Mm. I don't know. There was a moment, so I'd logged in, and me and my friend Matt were trying to find each other, not really knowing the map at all. Um, and so he was like, "Okay, well, I'm on the coast, so I'm going to keep the coast on my left. You keep the coast on your right, and hopefully, eventually, we will bump into each other." And mm. so at one point, like, this is the thing: I saw somebody who didn't seem to have any resources. Like, he didn't have a backpack. He just, you know, didn't have anything in his hands. And I thought maybe that's Matt, you know, and he was just like, do I see you? I was like, I think, uh, is that you? And so I walked up to this guy, and then this guy was like, hey, are you friendly? And I was like, okay, that's not Matt, you know, but mm-hmm. he seems not, you know, he seems nice. Obviously then, like, I sort of put my hand up to wave to him, starts punching me in the face, and it's just like um, telling me, how do you like being beaten to death by a child? And his voice betrayed the fact that his, uh, his voice was broken. <laughs> Um, so I was just like, well, this is embarrassing. And then the game chat window tells you, oh, you know, warm blood is seeping through your clothes. I'm like, well, this is embarrassing. And there was nothing nearby. And I couldn't work out how to make bandages out of my <laughs> So I just died by the roadside. And I was like, right, next time I'm going to find Matt quicker. <laughs> um, but it did make it for a really weird, like, slightly tense meeting because I was like is that you this time when we sort of finally like were frolicking towards each other on the coastline I was just like well I don't want to necessarily like 
frolic too hard at you but I yeah it's it was a bit scary but then yeah and then we met up and traded some like resources and so we both had backpacks but he didn't have a weapon so I gave him a fire extinguisher and I've got my crowbar and my rope and stuff like that but yeah it's a bit like that that sense of tension and that sense that other people aren't friends is already there and I just sort of want to keep that at bay as much as possible. Right, but then put yourself in the position where you've got a gun and they've got a gun and you've seen them first. Were you going to do, Pip? Well, hang you on, can't what, risk it. What I might do in that situation is try and escape without them ever seeing me. <laughs> okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, I Maybe was, this is um, just me then, but I think it's going to oh. turn you into a monster. See, this is the thing. If it was just a, it would be reassuring for you if it did, wouldn't it, Craig? Shooter. <laughs> if it was just a regular shooter, if it was if it was Counter Strike and that person was Ed, he would get shot in the face <laughs> so fast. But because it's Fizz, I don't know. Like, I I don't want to be a monster. Certainly not yet. But I'll, I think the stakes are higher in this. When I'm a monster. <laughs> yeah. Well, when we meet up later, you'll probably have already turned. You'll be in your clown mask with an axe. Waiting. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to think about this because I, I do like the stories that come out of it, but it is in many ways against a lot of the things that I usually advocate. I mean, like when you were talking about valuing your character, I was thinking there's got to be a better way to make you value your character than just making it really fucking inconvenient if you die. But it's not about inconvenience. It's more about the fact that you have spent. It's, I think it's the time investment rather than, and, and that does contribute to the inconvenience, but it's it's more that it encourages you to actually care about that iteration. Mm-hmm. I suppose so, yeah. Oh, I have been meaning to try it. Um, but I also, I'm, 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 I'm quite a nice person, so I don't know how I'm going to fit in. Well, I'd be interested in that because I think, personally, <laughs> that it will change anybody in the same way that Neptune's Pride does. It will turn you into a prick. <laughs> because that's the only way you survive a zombie holocaust. <laughs> well, this is the thing. Like, I, I, I I'm going to go around saving people. How I am. <laughs> in it. How, like, did you ever feel not like being a dickbag in the game? Actually, yes, I did. However, right, this is what happened. We, I was kitted out and we were by the coast just sort of looking for... I don't know, people to been been to and mess about with. And I found a guy and we messed about with him a bit and then we sort of hooked up with him and started walking down the coast with him. Then we hit a town and he started running into buildings. And he didn't have a weapon and I had an assault rifle. And I thought, what if he comes out of one of those buildings and he's found an axe and he kills me for my assault rifle? So I shot him. (laughs) Right. You 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 there's quite a lot of hypothetical steps involved in your murders. <laughs> well, he only needs to find an axe, and then I'm dead. And then, so why not just skip that and kill him now? <laughs> Are you just assuming that everyone is bad? Or bad. Well, why not? Craig is stuck in a prisoner's <laughs> dilemma with the world. Because people <laughs> like me exist. People. But how do I know? You can't that. trust anybody, especially you. <laughs> Hang on, you're the one that made me tell you my location. That's true. That's going to be fun. Mm. Well, this is the other thing that I'm worried about because uh, I, 
have started streaming and stuff online now. Like I have, I set up my Twitch properly, finally. Um, but I'm really worried that as soon as I start streaming Daisy, all I'm gonna get is people trying to gun me down and spoil my experience. <laughs> it'll be fine. Just don't, mm-hmm. as long as you don't say what server you're on, it'll be all right. Shall we do some Twitter questions? Ooh. Sure. Oh, by the way, I was just going to mention that um, PC Gamer did that recently and got hunted down quite horribly. I've uh, seen it happen in a lot of streams. With them, there was one. They were with the Daisy Devs as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, they <laughs> there was a bit I caught of it because I was dipping in and out work. So then goes, "Hey guys, we're literally a games magazine being hunted by the internet." Nice. <laughs> 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 um, and yeah, so it's worth watching that stream. I'll link to it. Mm. Uh, right. First question. From Ben Barrett, what is wrong with Craig? <laughs> we examined this at length over the recent conversation. My response to anything Ben Barrett says is that he's dead to me, so feel free to use that with reckless abandon. <laughs> As I said, Craig is in a prisoner's dilemma with the world. Unfortunately, he doesn't appear to have read the prisoner's dilemma and didn't realise <laughs> 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 that altruism is, in fact, the best policy. Dan Pierce asks, what is the game you're looking forward to the least in 2014? Uh, probably one I've never heard of, but uh, okay. Um, so, which, I'm, I'm guessing which one... Uh, uh, maybe one that has the capacity to fuck up, you know? Yeah, I suppose. There's a lot of zeros. Like, I have no real interest in the next Call of Duty. Madden. Yeah, mm. um, maybe something like that I know that I'll have to write a lot about but won't necessarily play much of, like Titanfall. Like, I do not have an Xbox One, but I will have to sort of keep abreast of the how that pans out. And, and judging by recent announcements that they have made, there might just be a certain amount of people being cross about things that don't necessarily <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> have the biggest impact on the universe. Tom? I don't know. Uh... I mean, uh, there's a few that could easily be disappointing, like Thief or maybe a no, Watchdog. Um, I'm kind of. I tell actually, I tell you what, I'm not looking. I'm not looking forward to Star Citizen being released because mm. then it will no longer be the weirdest fucking thing in the world. <laughs> it will no longer be a black market in spaceships that don't exist, <laughs> and uh, the world will be a lesser place for that not existing. <laughs> what, existing. Wait, what do you mean by this? I'm not following. Yeah, uh, do you know? Right, they. There are various reward tiers for donations in Star Citizen, which include like new spaceships that will be in the game when it's out, and okay. people have bought those up early and then started trading them. Oh wow! Even though the game doesn't exist yet, <laughs> it's got like it's got like hat barons, despite <laughs> the fact that the game is now. And that's fascinating okay. to me. Yeah, that's amazing. It, it, so yeah, the pro- at the moment the game is released, it no longer becomes a socio-economic experiment. <laughs> <laughs> so that will yeah. sadden me. That's fair. Um, Craig Lamb asks, "What guy? What do you guys think Kim Wilde's favorite computer game is?" Is, it, is there a punchline to this? No. Okay, I thought maybe he was like, <laughs> "Is that like the setup to a really elaborate joke?" I, I don't know. Maybe design your own punchline. Yeah, maybe. Hang on. Shall we see if we can come up with like a pun-based? Okay. Can someone tell me who Kim Wilde is? She did um, Kids in America. America. Okay, okay. There's got to be some kind of game about kids in America. Um, yeah. mm. Are we really I'll bad at it. thinking about things? 
This is a problem. <laughs> Come on, you're games writers. Games is what you uh, puns is what you get paid for. I know. Oh, this is really bad. Oh, game starring Kit. Walking Dead season two. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only game with a child protagonist I can think of. Yeah, which game has lots of children in America? Gone Home. <laughs> she she <laughs> gone home. <laughs> I'm sorry, Craig, I've let you down. <laughs> uh, I think it is X Kim, Enemy America. <laughs> uh, where, where does she place the starting base, Craig? <laughs> uh, um, okay, what have we got? Oh, Ed asks, Ed Fenning asks. What are the six telltale signs of aging by Dove when it comes to how you approach a video game? Uh, I don't know how a Dove thing works, but... I think he's put that in brackets as in, like, Dove anti I think it's a joke. Yeah. Maybe stuff like when you find yourself sitting down to play something, I don't know, 10 or something, and thinking, I have to go to bed at midnight rather than, I can play this till 5 in the morning, that's fine, and still go to work. And also when you get home and you don't immediately want to go on the computer because you've just been on the computer at work. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when you quit because you can both afford to buy other games and realise that that game is not worth any more of your time. It's that time thing, that feeling that your time is actually somehow more precious and that you can't really waste a lot of it, perhaps. Yeah. When you microtransact to save time. Or when oh, you... oh no, 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 never. <laughs> when you... Um... I'm not saying I'm not old, so... <laughs> I assume 30-year-old people do this. <sighs> Rude. <laughs> I guess you've completely forgotten you just done that. Mm-hmm. And I don't do that at all. Thanks, except for in Dota. But that's fine. <laughs> Time saving. That's just frittering away my entire savings. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think maybe a certain amount of like, you know, when you're playing something and you identify with the parent who's being positioned as kind of a jerk rather than the teenager who's supposed to be the like, you know, fun, go-getting, just say, stop being a dick. <laughs> Listen to your parents. They've tried really hard. It's an interesting like, arc that people go through. It's from, like, just, yay, all games are fun, and if uh, and there couldn't possibly be something wrong with them, to them is this weird teenage phase where you reject anything childish mm-hmm. uh, and try and be a grown-up, which actual grown-ups don't do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you kind of reclaim that, and then there's retroism. And then there's also, like, the bit where people start having you you can like see the, a huge swing in people's gaming taste when they have kids and they start playing stuff with their kids or what yeah like you can see when people have to start taking account of age ratings like i never have to look at the age rating for a game because literally everything is available to me but then as soon as i was um yeah if you have to look at the age rating on a game you're either very you're either like under 18 or over 35 well, this is the thing, like, when i was babysitting i suddenly was very aware that some of the games that i had like on my phone or something aren't necessarily mm-hmm. appropriate and, and stuff like that actually i tell you what one of the signs of aging is being you know just your reflex time going right down and so but also i think not thought... caring about that well, this is the yeah. thing. I I do care, but um, <laughs> the um, the Dota professionals, like if you talk to them, like once you get beyond about like twenty seven, 
then they're just like your career's over because you cannot you know that's the peak that's considered the peak in most real life sports as well but that's the thing it's not a peak that's the upper limit oh right wow I yeah. was going to say, because usually in like football or something, about 28 or so, that's that's the peak of your career. And by, mm-hmm. by 32, you're washed up. Mm. The thing is, 28 is the end of your career for stuff like Dota or LOL or whatever. And like, they'll recruit from like younger than university. They'll, do you know what I mean? Like for the professional stuff, you want the people with the fastest reflexes and those just start diminishing. That's depressing. <laughs> it's interesting that I, I found like because I didn't get like hard get into multiplayer games a lot when I was a teenager. So mm. I have actually I've actually found I've gotten better with age because I've just spent more time with games over the last ten years than I did in the previous ten. Mm. Um, so at the moment I've, I've I've hit this point where my re- re- reflexes haven't really degraded um, mm. and my experience has gone up. So I, I feel like I'm hit, probably hitting about the peak now, and it's all downhill from here. <laughs> once I pass 30 anyway you're basically dead I think as well like once you start feeling that the world doesn't you know doesn't surprise you often mm. when you're sat there going oh well that's just a slightly shinier version of this or mm. that might be more scientific you yeah, a games journalist <laughs> you have to be easily bored to be a critic I think <laughs> <laughs> you have to the idea of, well that's the idea is that we get bored before everyone else does so they don't have to I think what we're getting at then is that the ultimate sign of gaming maturity is when you realise that Dark Souls is in fact the best video game ever made. How old are Matthew you? Matthew Cox asks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Craig is the youngest person here. <laughs> How much? When he hits 36, he'll be in Minecraft again. <laughs> How much run could a Windrunner run if a Windrunner could run run? What is a windrunner? It's a dirt character. I tell, I tell you, uh, it's actually it, he's he's out of date now because uh, she's changed to wind ranger. So well, how much range? <laughs> how much range <laughs> would a wind ranger range? <laughs> Basically, over the entire map, Matthew. If you're good at playing wind ranger. <laughs> but yeah, I I when did he send that in? One hour ago. Well, then he's just being willful. <laughs> Last <laughs> question. Well about this. This, is, this is us providing a service now. <laughs> Ivory Tusk asks, mm-hmm. when the hell is Quadrilateral Cowboy out? And wasn't there an FTL expansion coming? Also, good high podcast frequency recently. <laughs> okay. okay, there's another one just arrived, but I'll read that out yeah. in a second. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um Quadrilateral Cowboy is coming out this year, but I I'm not sure when. I don't think. I thought it was out, or is it like an episode of it is out? It's in the IGF. That's why a lot of people are talking about it. But I think you only have builds if you're in it. Um, it's 2014 for sure. But like I was thinking, it had a January release date. But I'm thinking of um, Jazz Punk. Yeah, Jazz Punk is January. There's quite a lot of stuff out already because Jazz Punk is out, Broken Age is out, and um, Nidhogg is out. Have we not mm-hmm. talked about Nidhogg yet? Nidhogg's brilliant. I couldn't get the multiplayer to work properly, so I'd ho- held off on it, and then I'd got distracted. So you, know, you get another person into the same room and hand them a controller. That's how the multiplayer works. Well, see, this is the thing. Like, I don't live with I don't live with games journalists. This is the problem. But um, yeah, like at the end of the month, it's a good month. Um, at the end of the month, um, Castle Doctrine's out and Octodad as well. 
Yeah, and FTL Advanced Edition is out fairly soon. They said early 2014. What, what's the deal with that? What's happening there? It's a, f- I think, free upgrade to FTL, which adds like an extra race, a bunch of stories, and some writing by Chris Avalon. Okay, cool. Because the Universal Stretch Goal for all Kickstarters is now Chris Avalon. Okay. You're not uh, going right. to go anytime soon, are you? It's weird, man. <laughs> <laughs> There's at least like five Kickstarters that have just said, and if we get this much, Chris Avalon <laughs> just materializes. I think he goes in one, like, there's one of them each in each goodie bag. He's not an actual person. He's just a man that runs a warehouse, and then like it's just got all these people that he just like puts a Chris Avalon like name badge on the on the chest of, and then just pushes them into a studio. If there were infinite clothes of Chris Avalon, games writing would be in a much better state. <laughs> uh, hot off the Twitter question desk um <laughs> last question one Not minute ago <laughs> uh ian lambert asks is there a tomorrow is it I, uh, well by the time you hear this you'll know because we're recording this on friday night and we'll be putting it out on monday yeah you'll be able to assess whether there was a tomorrow but as to the the ongoing tomorrowness i mean you know it could all end so either um Yes, of course. What are you talking about? No, the world has ended. Basically, I think. I'll let it. My advice at this point is because we can't be sure, play something you really enjoy right now. Mm. He's not going to get no. He's not going to know until Monday. <laughs> it's fine if but, Monday even happens. But then he won't know if Tuesday will happen. So I think this is just a good policy going forward. Play stuff you love. Mm. Oh, See, that's a nice sentiment. Mm. Play Dark Souls Are you surprised it came out of my head? (laughs) (laughs) Well, because as we're going to find out in the next five minutes, you're a complete monster. anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Grown out of it. It was just a fake. Well, if if the world ends tomorrow, then no one will ever know. (laughs) (laughs) My goodness will be lost. (laughs) (laughs) I guess we should say goodbye. Yes. Uh, Okay, thanks everybody. Um, (laughs) Goodbye. Bye. I just waved at no one. (laughs) Ha <laughs> <laughs>